0: you're following with your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and I'll explain briefly why. but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together to worship you. Thank you that we can come and do this freely, that we have access to our Father in heaven. We thank you for your word, that you speak your word to our hearts, that we can receive it, that we can hear from you, we can be instructed by it, we can be changed by it. We thank you for your word. Be here with us through this time as we dwell on these verses. Draw us near to you. Teach us of yourself and conform us to your will and your purposes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Okay, so last week we talked about the caring community, right? Because we talked about how people need to be cared for. Right now, especially. And this week, initially, I was planning to talk about, kind of like a a, a continuation of it. I was planning to talk about the praying community. Um, caring community, praying community, in that, like now, we need to pray for, for one another. We need to pray with one another to be a caring community. Like, how do you care for one another? We need to pray for one another. So I wanted to talk about that. And as I began preparing that, I realized that even though what we probably need to do right now is to pray. I think um, we probably are not inclined to pray or even want to hear about the fact that we have to pray right now. The last thing we want is, you know, come to church and, and the sermon to kind of make me feel like I've now received an extra burden, um, even to do something that's good, like to pray. So, kind of uh, backtracked from that, and but but we still need to pray, you know, and so I wanted to take a different approach and think about prayer as we look at the Lord's Prayer. Um, the Lord's Prayer is a model that we've been given as Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, and so we'll look at it and learn how should we pray, and what? What is the Lord, what is Jesus teaching us through the Lord's Prayer? And uh, this prayer that we just read comes in seven parts, so this would be a seven-point sermon, Um, and I also want to mention I'm borrowing much of this content from this book called Pray Without Seizing, Pray Without Seizing by Deborah Van Dusen Hunsinger, okay, so The outline will basically be the different components of the Lord's Prayer. So first, our Father in Heaven. Our Father in Heaven. The Prayer, initially, right from the very beginning, it begins by first aligning ourselves with Jesus Christ. Because the only way we can come to God as our Father is through Jesus Christ. And it's because of the atoning work of Christ on our behalf that we can approach God in the first place. So apart from Christ, we have no access to God as our Father. So when we come to God and say, our Father in heaven, this essentially means that we're coming and praying in Jesus' name. that aligns us with the Son, Jesus Christ. Not only that, but when Jesus taught his disciples to pray to God as Father, not only are we coming in his name, but really Jesus is inviting the disciples to the intimacy that he has with the father um, think about this uh, in in John chapter 17 when Jesus prays in his priestly prayer John 17 verse 23 he says um, I am them and you and me that, that that they may become perfectly one so as he prays for unity that they may become perfectly one among the believers. And it says, So that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Okay, so Jesus is praying to the Father. The Father and the Son are one. And we, we saw that in John chapter 5, how the Father and the Son are one. The Son can do nothing apart from the Father. But even though the Son does things, it's as if the Father is doing because the Father and the Son are one. And now this is the relationship that we can have with God through Jesus Christ. The oneness that the Father and the Son experience, as the Father and the Son are one, now Jesus draw us into that relationship. As he says, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. So, think about that. Because of Jesus, God loves us as He loves the Son. That's an incredible thing that we are experiencing when we come to God as our Father. We should also point out that Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, not My Father. Our Father reminds us that there are multitudes of those who have come and gone before us. And that means He's the same God to me that He's been to those who have prayed our Father. That there's nothing that we're going through right now that we're going to pray about to our Father that has not been experienced by sinful humanity before. And also that there's nothing that we're going to pray about before God that he hasn't heard and answered and handled before. So it reminds us that God has been faithful to them, those who have prayed our Father. God has been sufficient for them, and that he will be sufficient for us, will be faithful to us, because he is our Father, who loves us as he loves the Son. First, it says, pray our Father in heaven. Secondly, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. When we talk about God's name, God's name is who He is, who He is as He has revealed Himself to us. And when we say hallowed, hallowed be your name, it means to declare uh, sacred, to declare sacred, to declare holy. So we're saying hallowed, be, uh, be holy, be held as holy your name so Jesus reminds us that we're praying to the holy God who because he's so holy even the angels could not look at him because he's so holy his name in scripture could not be even uttered by his people so Jesus reminds us that we're we're to approach God with the same reverence because he is the holy God whose name is to be hallowed so when we pray, we have to remember this. We have to remember who we're coming before. Even though we come because we come to God because we have access to God as children have access to the Father. He is our Father. But that does not mean that we lose a sense of reverence, the sense of awe when we come to it in, in prayer. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Now, when he says. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Now, this is the first thing that Jesus prays after addressing the Father. And that's because the glory of his name, the exaltation of his name, is to be the goal of any prayer. Ezekiel 36 verse 22 says, Thus says the Lord God, it is for your sake, O house of Israel, that I I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. He says, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. So God is about to act for the sake of His name, which you have profaned among the nations, to which you you came. So God says He's working to defend, to declare His holy name on this earth. So when we pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It means that now we're asking to participate in that same thing that God is doing in this world, in protecting, guarding the holiness of his name. So the goal of our prayers, the goal of any prayer, as well as the goal of our lives, is so that his name is honored and glorified. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he says, your kingdom come. God's kingdom or God's reign as king, your kingdom, has come already through the ministry of Jesus Christ. We're told that light has come where there was darkness. Life has come where there's death. So his kingdom is here, but his kingdom is both already here and also not yet here. His kingdom is here, but not yet consummated in the end not yet fully come so this is a prayer that god's reign would continue and grow now your kingdom come and also that this, this is a prayer of really longing for what is yet to come your kingdom come because things are not yet as they should be because of sin. So we cry out and pray this longing for the continuing growth of his kingdom and the fulfillment of his kingdom, the work that he began since the fall in Genesis three, your kingdom come. And then he says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as long so so As we long for the coming of his kingdom, we also pray for his will to be done. As we long for his kingdom to come, for his reign to be established in the world, we're saying, may that happen as your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Now think about this. On one hand, when we say your will be done, on one side it's saying it's asking for God to do what only he can do. Right? Um, so, for example, uh, send Jesus into this world to die for our sins. Right? Like We have no part in that. That's something that only God can do. So, your will be done is for asking for God to do uh, his, his work that only He can do on one, on one, one side. But on the other hand, Your will be done also implies that there would be obedience on earth. God, you do what you you will to do, your will be done, but also let there be obedience on earth. So when we pray your will be done, we can't pray that without also looking at our own hearts. Is your will being done in mine? Because we're the ones that, that have sinful hearts. We're the ones who don't desire the will of God. So what's implied in this prayer is that God changes us so that our hearts are lying to do His will. May your will be done on earth. As, and may that include my heart. And That's the, the declaration of my heart as we pray. May your will be done. Not my will, but yours be done. So so think about this. The Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. So the Lord's Prayer looks to God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. So we're praying that that we will hallow his name, submit to his reign, and follow his will. So this prayer, first and foremost, right, as we as we look to his name, as we look to his kingdom, as we look to his will, first and foremost, as we pray this prayer, like it changes us. Because we cannot pray these things sincerely without first committing ourselves to this, this path. Right? Like, how can we pray, God, hallowed be your name, while at the same time don't want the glory of God? Thy kingdom come. At the same time, like not wanting to live under his reign. Thy will be done while still like wanting to live my will. Okay? So so even as we pray, look to God and, and and think about his name, his kingdom, his will. First and foremost, what that does is it changes us. In other words, Jesus is not, when he's teaching his disciples to pray, he's not saying, oh, now that, now that you've elevated, now that you've been elevated to this certain level of spirituality, right, now let me teach you how holy people pray. No, he's teaching the weak and feeble disciples who are just like us how to pray. And as we pray, prayer changes us. It's also worth mentioning here, I think, that this is basically what God is doing through the the difficulties and the sufferings that we go through in our lives. As we pray that uh, we will hallow his name, we will submit to his reign, we'll follow his will. God often answers that prayer through the difficulties and sufferings that we go through. We saw that. First 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, when Peter says, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? So it may be found to, to hallow His name. So it's through the, the various trials, it's through the various trials that that grieve us, right? The various trials that grieve us, that God is producing purified faith that desires God's will to be done in our lives. And when we desire the will of God, the result is hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the uh, the remaining ones are now um, petitions, right? Uh, Of dependence and need. Give us this day our daily bread. Our lives have to be sustained by God. So we ask for our daily bread. Uh, the word bread can be thought of as wide, right? Like, because it's not just bread, it includes all that is necessary for life. Give us to say our daily bread, it's wide in that sense. But the word bread is also simple, it's a prayer for what is necessary for life. Okay, so give us to say our daily bread. Give us all that is necessary. Give us what is necessary. Give us what is necessary. Give us all that is necessary. Um, If we have everything that we need and more, then we don't really need to depend on God. Right? If we have everything that we need, I have it, and I have more. I have surplus. In that state, we don't really need to depend on God. But just like how the Israelites receive daily manna in the wilderness, daily manna, if we have only our daily bread, then we have to constantly depend on God every day. So this is the prayer. Give us this day. Our daily bread. That we might depend on you. And see you as a provider. That's the blessing of possessing. Necessities. If you have. If you own a hundred cars. And one goes missing. You don't really worry too much. Because you have other cars. If you only have one car. And it dies. Then you have to cry out to God. And ask for another one. Right? So. So that's what's going on here. Initially, this is a prayer for provision. Give us our daily bread. But the end result is, it's really a prayer for intimacy. right? In the front end, give us our daily bread. It's like, God, I need this. I need you to provide for me. It's a prayer of provision. But the back end of it is, the result of it is, intimacy with our provider. Where we value not the, the, the thing that's given to us, but the giver. It's really a prayer for intimacy. God, I need bread. God, I depend on you. So when we cry out to God in dependence, the result is we draw near to God. When we pray for what we need, God provides our daily bread and God provides himself, the bread of life, which is what we really need. So that's, that's why he, Jesus wants us to pray. Pray for what you need. Because in the end, through that, He gives us what we really need. He gives us Himself. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Debts here Is talking about what is owed because of sin. God is holy. We've committed an infinite offense against God's holiness with our sins. And we cannot appease His holiness. We owe an enormous debt to the king that cannot be paid. So this is saying, release us from that debt through the forgiveness of sins. That's the only way that we can survive this debt. Is to be forgiven of the debt. Forgive us of our sins. Um, now, but but if, but you see, this prayer goes hand in hand with, um, you know, like forgive us our debts. But then that goes hand in hand with the pledge to release others from the debt that they owe us. The vertical forgiveness we receive from God is related directly to the horizontal forgiveness we extend to others. When we first look at our own debt that is owed to God, and then we look at the debt that's owed to us by others, what seems huge initially becomes small. We can have a different perspective. The resentment over the debt that's owed me turns into gratitude because of the debt that's been forgiven. Resentment changes to gratitude.
1: So the key is really
0: experiencing that vertical transaction first. That vertical experience actually gives us the power to do what otherwise would be impossible for us to do. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Now having said that though, this is something that obviously we have to really be careful about because we don't know what other people have experienced in their lives and how difficult it is for them to forgive. Right? Like how can I or any of us um, tell a, a, a surviving Holocaust victim to forgive the people who killed their family? Um, we can't. How can you tell a parent of a mass shooting victim you should forgive the shooter? Right? Like we don't know. Like we, we have to be aware that, that we don't know what the other p- person has experienced or what they're feeling. So we acknowledge that forgiveness is is never easy. Forgiveness often takes, it's a process that takes a long period of time. And a lot of times, just the fact that we're trying to forgive is a step in the right direction. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lastly, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Bible tells us that Satan is against us, the evil world system around us is against us, and even our own sinful hearts are against us. Satan is against us, evil world is against us, even our own hearts are against us. And, and what makes it even more scary is that a lot of times we're unaware, unaware of this prevailing evil around us. It's kind of like that baby gazelle walking alone in the field. Completely oblivious of that, that that pride of lions, like crouched and ready to pounce and devour it. You can tell what kind of videos I look at. So so temptation is all around us, even within us, and we often walk right into the snare. There is absolutely no hope to escape it or overcome it ourselves. So as helpless sheep, our only hope for survival is for God to deliver us from evil. We are in complete need of His protection over our lives. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus teaches us to pray. And by the way, let me just mention the... The doxology that you're used to, maybe right for thine is the kingdom, power and glory forever. That's not in the ESV Bible. That's not in. in it's not in many of the, the translations because um, that's not in the original manuscript, and that's why we're gonna end it there. So you can go home and praise God yourself. Um. So Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and through it, he teaches us how to pray. Now, what's going on? as we pray. And we talked about it, but we'll talk about it But What's going on as we pray? and Why are we talking about this today? Uh, that we need to pray. And I'll uh, share a couple of stories to illustrate that and we'll finish. Um, one thing that I realized is that that we are all changing in different ways during the pandemic. But we are, like we're all changing in some ways through the pandemic. Um, okay, so let me give an example. This pandemic started roughly about a year ago. And uh, one of the ways that it has affected me is that I have not been exercising. Prior to last March, I played basketball like two or three times a week consistently and I, I have been doing that for many years. Since last March, I've gotten very little exercise And I'm reminded of it every time I look in the mirror. Uh, In the beginning months, I used to weigh myself here and there. I don't even weigh myself anymore. And I feel the effects of not exercising. A little bit of physical activity makes me feel out of breath. And I get tired more easily. Uh, Feel the, the, the need to sleep more. Less energy. And probably there are a lot of people in the world, right, that can identify with what I'm saying. Physically, our bodies are changing during the pandemic. That's because inactivity changes us. But then, you know, like, my thinking as I'm going through this, my thinking is still like, oh, when the pandemic ends... Then I'll go back to the to the gym. Right? Oh, when we're able to play five on five, and then I'll go back and play. I mean, I can exercise now, but I'll do it later. And so, like, I you know, this this has been going on a lot longer than any of us thought it would from in the beginning. And so now I'm thinking like. Um, Will I ever be able to get my health back in the sense that, like, I wonder if there's some ways that my health will be affected permanently because of the past year and then plus however many more months that's going to go on. I think the same thing applies to us spiritually as well. Because inactivity changes us. You used to pray You used to keep the discipline of being in the Word. And it was a lot easier because you had a lot of accountability around you. You used to think about other people. You used to care for them. You used to pray for them. And you don't do those things anymore. And it's possible. It's possible that you might be changing in ways, that we might be changing in ways that we're not even aware of right now. Because the degrees are so subtle, week to week, month to month. It's possible that your spiritual DNA is changing in a way, that, in a way that you may never do those things in the same way again. Inactivity changes us. Inactivity changes us, but prayer also changes us. Prayer changes us in the right direction. God uses our prayers to change us when we pray for his name, when we pray for his kingdom, when we pray for his will to be done. As we do that, he shows himself as our provider, as our deliverer, and through this, the effect that he draws us into intimacy with him. That's why Jesus says, pray then in this way. Need to pray. Second illustration. Yesterday morning, uh, woke up and discovered that our sink would not drain. It's a problem if your sink doesn't drain. Christine said, oh, it's probably because it's been so cold. The drain is probably frozen. I'm like, don't be silly. That never happens. It's probably because of food that somehow got down the drain. And now it's clogged up. Okay. Turns out it was frozen water pipe. And she was right and I was wrong. So I tried many different ways to fix the problem. First, I opened up the pipe and tried snaking it. That's like, you know, you put the, the metal snake thing and like you rotate and you like kind of try to grind what's inside the pipe. Wouldn't work. Then I tried pouring boiling hot water down the pipe. Thought it would work. Wouldn't work. I, I, I mixed salt with water. That thought I was being really smart because that's chemistry. Putting my education to use. And then, like, poured it down the pipe. I thought for sure this would work. Still, wouldn't drain. Worked on it for a long time because I did each of these steps several times. Nothing worked until finally, after a long time, okay, I finally decided to try one more thing. Went downstairs to the basement. Even though it was like finished, I somehow like accessed the area um, under where the pipe is. Went down there with a hair dryer that I personally don't use. Borrowed it from my family. And blew hot air into that area of the frozen pipe. Did that for about 5-10 minutes. Didn't think it would work. Came back upstairs. Tried running the water. And the water finally drained. Praise God. What's the point? When Jesus teaches us to pray, I don't think, I don't think he's probing us, twisting our arms with that, you know, like metal snake thing, like forcing us to pray. Trying to grind prayer out of us, you know? You have to pray. Like if you really want to be a good Christian, you have to pray. I don't think that's what's going on here. Nor is he like manipulating us to to pray, right? It's not like he's sticking like soft in the in the water and you know trying to figure out different ways to get us to pray back back ways to get us to pray. Rather, I think what we see here as Jesus teaches us to pray, is that He's really, His desire is that He wants us to to bathe, bathe in the warmth of God's love. He is our Father. What that means is He loves us, even as He loves the Son. And Jesus is teaching us to pray ultimately because that is the pathway to intimacy with the Father who loves you like that. So I mean, think about it. Some of us probably feel like
1: my relationship
0: with God is kind of clogged up right now. My prayer life is pretty much stopped right now. And in that, in the reality of the the condition that we're in, with maybe like a lot of the circumstances against us, and the world and Satan and our hearts against us, Jesus comes with this warm, loving embrace. And says, as he is my father, he is your father. He is our Father, and His desire is to provide for us, to reveal Himself to us as our Deliverer deliverer in such a way that we would experience intimacy with Him in ways that we've never even experienced before. So let's do that. Let's come before God and bask in the warmth of His loving embrace. As we come to him and we can cry out, Abba Father, as children before a holy God, that we can actually call him. Let's pray together. So, again, as you said in the beginning, uh, we need to be a caring community right now. A lot of people, like, we weren't designed. To be alone, you know, we weren't designed to follow Christ alone. So that's why there has to be caring. There has to be reaching out. There has to be coming together and being a caring community. Another thing we desperately need is to be a praying community. Uh, Prayer is probably what we need right now. Like apart from God, like how can we overcome the temptations around us? How can we overcome the evil within us? We can't. It's an impossible task. So prayer is probably what we need, one of the most things that we need right now in our lives. Uh, but again, it's not uh, something that we're being forced to do or manipulated to do. Uh, he loves us. and he, he wants us to know that He is our Father. Okay? And nothing can separate us from His love of Jesus Christ even as God is father to the son he is father to us just even meditate on even that one thought and let that sink in and let's draw close to our father and let's experience intimacy with him so let's pray that for a moment and then we'll close our time together pray together Uh, our retreat is this coming weekend so let's pray together for that pray that God would use that to really encourage our community and help us to grow in intimacy with him and um, so so pray that we'd be a praying community, caring for one another through our prayers, lifting one another up and um, really uh, praying that his kingdom would come the hearts of his people. Let's pray that for a moment and I'll close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you once again that we can gather together on this Lord's Day to set it apart for you, set it apart to worship you, to sit under the, the teaching of your word, to hear your voice that gives life to our souls. We pray that you would help us in our lives to be near to you through your word, through the means of prayer help us to come alive in our hearts though many things uh, evil things in this world against us we pray that you would lead us not into temptation deliver us from evil bring us into your presence and um and again despite circumstances may uh, our hearts thrive our restless hearts thrive in your presence. Uh, be with us throughout this week. As we eagerly anticipate your blessings in this coming weekend, pray that you would use the retreat to do uh, powerful things in our hearts. Nourish us and encourage us. Cause us to love you more. Change us. There's only you can do. Thank You, Lord, for your faithfulness. You are sufficient for us. I'll help us to cling unto you. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this unchanging covenant love of the Father God, the fellowship, the strength, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.